0: faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk The Believer's Journey. Well, aloha and welcome to The Believer's Journey. It's good to be back and good to be able to come back into the studio once again. And today we're going to talk about worship and we're going to talk about surrender. And my guest today is Ray Jones. Um, We'll get to him in a second. I want to make sure that we are um, having uh, up-to-dates on my sponsors. I want to make sure uh, my sponsors are noted. And and notice that on my website. It's uh, thebelieversjourney.net. And you can also visit us if you're not on live uh, Facebook Live. You can go to YouTube or Twitter, and even listen to it audio, audibly on um, Spotify. So we're all over, and it's nice to be here. It's a good day today, and um, my guest Ray Jones, uh, say hello.
1: Hello. How are
0: you, Alan? I'm good. It's so good to see you. You too, friend. So, Ray, uh, I've known Ray for about 20 years now, and um, to me, he is uh, dear to my heart, and his wife, Andrea, is dear to my heart, and his sons. In fact, uh, a little side note here, his son, Christopher, and I would um, get together and and tease Ray, because I go to Hawaii every year, and I used to buy these pants that were multi multi-designed, and... And And really ugly, (laughs) (laughs) and bright. So I would talk. We would talk about buying a pair of pants and giving them to Ray as a gift. And Chris really egged me to try to do this. (laughs) So um, I ended up never doing it. I think I think Ray was. He always wore you know basic, you know, Texan wear. And um, so uh, anyway, it's been fun. His family is a really neat family. Anyway, Ray was. uh, When I met Ray, he was a a worship leader at CBC Community Bible Church in San Antonio. And um, we were about, oh, 2,400, 2,600 people at that time, and it has grown to, well, the attendance is about 15,000, I think the membership about 25,000, and Ray was an integral part of this. It's not one of the main parts and reasons why of the growth. Um, I could tell you one of the things I really appreciate about Ray isn't necessarily his worship style or everything, but it's his heart. And I think it's important uh, that we understand and listen to what Ray has to say today, because I think uh, I've sat in his classes and listened to him, and I think he's just an incredible guy. Anyway, I want to introduce Ray Jones, and I'd like him to tell us
1: about himself. Well, Alan, uh, thank you, and it's an honored privilege to be with you today. Um, uh, Alan, I, I grew up in a Christian family, and so it was a very natural process for me to give my heart to Christ at an early age, about six years old, and and um, it, it really did affect me uh, even from the very beginning. Uh, new believers don't know very much, especially if they're young new believers, but I did know that I had a deep concern for my friends, that they too would know Jesus, and, and spent a lot of my time talking about the Lord to them, and uh, that, that was kind of my introduction to ministry, if you will. At age 14, after about a nine-month struggle and Lord's pulling on me, I surrendered to full-time ministry. And so now for nearly 51 years, all I've done is uh, really uh, follow that calling in my life. I landed in worship ministry because I had particular gifts in music, but I never saw myself as uh, the chief musician. I just saw myself as uh, the person that prompted people into the presence of Christ through worship. And uh, it was funny that you you said something about style. Um, you know, when I first started, it was choir robes and pipe organs and handbills. And, <laughs> I and, and uh, you know, I, I can remember the first time I I brought a guitar into church and I. I, I can tell you that uh, style is uh, is a moving target, continual moving target and so uh, when you go to the mission field, they have their own different styles and it's it's not it's it's not about style it's always been about heart and um, it's also not about the level of performance, although I believe our gift of worship should be excellent. I think it is uh, all about giving uh got a welcome or an entrance into our, into our our meeting and uh, the worship is not for each other it's it's for him alone and so uh, about uh, two and a half well two, two months two years two months ago uh, I left CBC and now uh, I'm traveling exclusively uh, mentoring teaching training um, young worship leaders all over the world. And so um, uh, it's been a real exciting, uh, exciting period, even in the COVID uh, since March the 8th, um, we have done a lot of of zoom conferences and, and uh, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of telephone counseling and that kind of thing, but things are beginning to pick up now and we're starting to do some, some outside dates once again. Good. You know,
0: it's interesting. I, um. When I mentioned I sat in your classes, I've listened to you talk. I think I told you one time, I think you have a real gift in teaching. Oh, you're sweet. I think that um, one of the things that you have always done and have always said while you're on the platform is that it's not about us. Right. It's all about Jesus. Right. And uh, we did a song before. I was on the choir, in the choir. My wife is in the choir. And so... um, we did a song, uh, "Jesus at the Center." Yeah. It was
1: "Jesus and, be the Center,"
0: yeah. and I love this because it's it is true. One of the things that I, I always appreciated about, I guess it's a style, but I think it's more your heart is that I've had family come from Las Vegas to visit, and my stepmother, uh, her name is Joan. Right. She um, she actually went to the a Wednesday night. Choir rehearsal. Re- choir rehearsal, and she came back and she says, "This wasn't rehearsal. This was church. <laughs> this was worshiping. You know, this was all about Jesus, and yeah. it was just amazing." And then she came home from Sunday service, come back, and she said, "You couldn't tell who the worship leader was because every person who had their own solo did their own thing, and nobody was out there front, front and center. You know, as of I'm, I'm the one." Yeah. And she thought that was so humil, was such humility. And brought a, a real
1: christ like this to the whole group. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you stuff that you heard me say, uh, you know, a hundred times. But the honest truth, there's really only two um, main goals, if you will, of, of worship in a church. Number one is to provide a, uh, a place where God is welcome. Uh, create an environment where the Holy Spirit of God is welcome to be, and and where you can sense the reality of His presence uh, in in the hearts of the believers. Um, and then the second thing is is to train up the next generation of worshipers and worship leaders. And so you can't really train up people if you are the main in the main spotlight all the time. You you have to continually be giving your job away. And I just feel like there is such strength and power in allowing uh, the different voices, the different people who have these gifts, to be able to uh, to, to talk to the people in the congregation through their gift. It, it would be selfish not to let them speak into the congregation. And so that's, that's what I always did and still do, even when I'm on the road. I just feel like people need to understand the worship ministry didn't get a pass on discipleship
0: you know another thing I noticed that um, at least under your ministry is that we had an enormous choir and a wonderful choir but we've also had choirs in the teenage area and in in the elementary area and I noticed um, and I hadn't been at CBC when it started but I noticed that these kids that came up from elementary to high school joined the choir and a lot of them on the praise team and a lot of them went into full time ministry themselves. Right. It was almost like you're training these kids because of the choirs. Right, you're training them to understand and to enter into ministry. Yeah.
1: is that well? That's that, that was my main method during those years, and 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 I still teach that method. We call it multi generational ministry or multi generational worship. And uh, yes, from the very from the four and five year olds, you'd go to their little choir rehearsal on Wednesday night, and it was the cutest thing. And you would ask them what they were doing. They said, "We're going to lead our parents in worship." I mean, from the very beginning, they may they might not understand any of the concepts. But we began to teach them the language of worship, so that so that as they came up, they were they weren't uh, acknowledged as the performers in the church, but they were acknowledged as servants in the church, leading people into the presence of Christ. Uh, some churches don't have choirs, but that does th- doesn't give them a pass on training up the generations. They should be finding children to help lead in children's church and students to lead in student uh, ministries church and uh, their worship services and, and, and utilizing them in the main worship services so people can see we are uh, making a marked difference by training up these generations.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting because you and Robert were really an interesting team. Right. Because I was also involved in the baptism part of it and other ministries in the church uh, teaching. I've done the teaching for 20 years. And I noticed that on Robert's end, um, and this is Robert Emmett, the pastor, If if those of you who don't know who I'm talking about, um, he seemed to believe that the church ran on – on groups that were accountable within ministry, and then you would always mention how we have these accountability groups that were are really the ministry, and then we come together on the weekend for celebration, right? Which is kind of like the steps I when I read on the Old Testament, right? A lot of the feasts and festivals and and the getting together was about
1: celebration. Yeah, a lot of it was around the table yeah. at home. Uh, in, in, in the homes, and people would gather for Shabbat and and and, uh, and celebrate every every week. But uh, but when they came together, it was sort of like you had all of these little sparks in the community came together as a bonfire. They it ignited this this ce- celebration of, of of worship and 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 exhortation. And that's what we we really that was what we really were striving to do all along. And um, I will tell you, it wasn't always that way. Uh, it was intentional on our part because I can remember early on as we were kind of introducing modern worship to the congregation, uh, not everybody was happy uh, about it because we weren't doing their particular style or their particular songs or whatever. And um, But I would show up really early in the mornings uh, before the rehearsals, before the sound checks and all that. And I would just go through the building, and I would just pray. I said, "Lord, please, would you just create a spirit of celebration as the church gathers today?" And you know, after about two years, you just started seeing this urgency in their spirit when they came in. It was it was, it was quite remarkable. The Lord, um, I think the Lord used that um, that heart of worship, and, and and it was one of the main elements of growth for the congregation. Wow. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I um, I know that you and I
0: have something in common um, I go to Moldova about every year and you go to Moldova um, and um, I know that the people that I work with over there the different church groups or ministry, okay. missionaries um, they talk a lot about you because you bring
1: over a worship conference is that I what it is? Uh, so um, I got involved with that team uh, many many years ago and um uh, actually on the board of, uh, of directors for uh, KBC Ministries uh, there in, in Kishna. But uh, the the one thing that I loved about going there was, remember Moldova was a former st- uh, state of, or uh, region of uh, USSR, and so they were under communistic rule for so, so many years. When they became an independent country, um, they they began to allow uh, Christian groups to come in and teach and we came came in early in that process and it was not so easy the first first time I went but uh, it has opened up so significantly and now churches are are popping up all over the region and so we we've, we've begun to do some regional work and bringing these all these worship pastors and their teams into these conferences uh, we've had two uh, there, We've had a, a one-day conference in Romania, and uh, uh, perhaps at the end of this year, maybe the first of next year, we're going back to do uh, yet another conference to train these young worship teams. From what I
0: understand, when I was there last, um, the couple that we stay with, the missionaries, they said that up to or over 200 churches were represented there.
1: Right. And I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I it was it was unprecedented because you understand in a communistic state there is a there is a just a blanket of mistrust. No one trusts anyone. And so for me as a worship pastor or a pastor to send my team to another church for a conference was unheard of. You just did everything within the context of your small church. And now they're beginning to open up and, and and yeah, I, I don't know the number of churches, but I can tell you there were, there were, it was the first time in the history of the country where that many different churches combined together uh, for the emphasis of worship. And it was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: One of the things that we did at Community Bible Church that I, I just have high on my list is the fact that we recorded CDs. And they were impeccable. They were just top-quality CDs. And I don't know where he did it, how he did it. I just know that they were good. So I bought them all. (laughs) (laughs) But the neat thing that you did was that you made sure that for every CD that you sold, that one would go into the mission field somewhere in the world.
1: Yep. Do you know about how many? Well, that that number is going to be... it's going to be in the multiplied thousands uh we had some great stories about that um a friend of mine went to uganda and they were in a village a grass hut village had one light hanging from the roof because they had recently got electricity in the village and and from that light there was an extension cord which led to a cd player and they walked in this hut and and our music was playing in the middle of uganda Um, and that was pretty that was pretty phenomenal um we lost count, probably, uh, there were probably over 35 different countries where our music was going. Many of those countries, our music was playing on their radio stations, not Christian radio mostly because most uh, countries, especially third world countries, don't have Christian radio. Um, but one of the neatest stories was um, during the middle of the Iraq war, the heat of the Iraq war, uh, I got a letter from a chaplain. and. Uh, their headquarters had uh, been set up in one of Saddam Hussein's uh, former palaces, he had many, and uh, every Sunday uh, our, they were using our CDs to lead these men and and women in worship during the war-torn zone in, in one of Saddam's palaces. So that was that was a pretty cool story, but that, that's that been all over the world. In fact, in Russia and Moldova, um, we had the first Christian concert in one of their public concert venues, and um, it only set 900 people. Um, when we got there, the room was full, and the pastor had to get up and say, if you are a believer in Jesus, I'm going to have to ask you to leave, because there were hundreds of unbelievers that were trying to get in. We got into they They filled up the room. The believers went outside and prayed, and we began to sing. Well, we got to uh, one of the songs that you'll remember, an old song we used to sing, "Revive Us, Revive Us, O Lord." That you know, please send Your Holy Spirit. Well, we started singing that song in English, and they started clapping and singing along because they had been playing that song on uh, public radio there for for about eighteen months before we got there. So. Uh, God you really used that music to to uh, generate uh, opportunity for us to uh, to share the gospel. I know
0: um, one of the missionaries that we support, uh, his name is Radu Kukos. He said that he actually started, the way he would help learn English was by listening to Christian music. music. Uh, I remember there was a show on TV, and it was a secular, I don't know, news show. I don't right. know if it was 2020 or something like right. this, with a guy who was a... Um, a cab driver. Right. And they were doing the show about something, and in the background, in his car, was playing one of our CDs. Yes, it
1: was. On television. <laughs> I mean, like national TV. I thought, like, this is I cool. got several calls. Did you know? <laughs> also, a lady got off the airplane in Belize, and uh, over the, the music system in, in Belize, uh, there was our music was playing. We did over 52 records. Uh, in my tenure there, which is phenomenal, I mean, but for children and students, you know, and, and, and all those things, some Spanish, and uh, we even did one in Russian uh, that we uh, recorded with the team from Moldova. And, you know, it's just amazing, because those, those recordings can minister 24-7 anywhere on the planet, and uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite a legacy. I'm still doing those, but not not at CBC, but uh, still producing music for uh, for the church. Yeah, I follow you. I noticed you did something
0: in Houston, I think with Tommy Walker.
1: Yeah, well, I, I did I did a Christmas record with Tommy Walker in California, but I did one in Houston at Champion Forest. Actually, I've done two there, and now we've done two Spanish. We took those records and turned them into Spanish, and so we're utilizing them in uh, Spanish-speaking communities. That's incredible.
0: Um your ministry um, that you have, uh,
1: Radiance Ministries, tell us about it. Well, when I left CBI, Radiance has been in effect for many, many years. Uh, I've been traveling and teaching and, and doing mission work and and uh, uh, leading for conferences and that kind of thing for a long time. But when I began to do it full time, it was uh, April of uh, 2018. And, um, and so... We've made about 320 personal appearances since I left in, in those 27 months, and, and uh, it's basically four things. I still go to local churches and work with teams on the weekend. Uh, we'll do a Friday and Saturday kind of clinic thing, and on Sunday we'll lead worship, and, and, uh, and I'll preach on worship. Um, I like that because it keeps my finger on the pulse of the local church. And then we do—and all-size churches, too, which is—we really like that. I mean, from the smallest to the largest, it, it's really— And then the second thing we do is conference work, and it's re- regional, sometimes national, sometimes international conferences where you get uh, a group of worship leadership together, and you you teach and train and, and worship together. And then we, we have been doing uh, some worship— uh, leader retreats. We're doing uh, worship leader couples retreat but it's very small and intimate. And uh, it's when we bring couples in and and just spend about three days together, diving really deep into life, uh, trying to uh, reinforce their intimacy with the Lord and with each other and just encourage. Because, you know, a lot of times... Uh, people in ministry get battle-worn and, and tired and, and, and beaten up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that, that's really been a big part of our heart. And then uh, we have been doing, uh, on a pretty regular basis now, um, uh, producing product. And that is, uh, I still work with a, a publishing company, Prism Music, and um, I think I've produced 28 projects for them uh, all kinds, uh, and um, and we've even opened up a Spanish side to their to their publishing company now because there's such a need for that. One third of the world's population speaks or understands Spanish. Yeah. So it's it's a it's sort of a a, a dire need for for good resources.
0: Now prison music. They um, they take. The things we write or you right. write, and they put them in
1: print, and they sell them to churches, and they right. use them for the choirs all over all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, over two thousand different churches in the country are, are using those arrangements. We would just, you, you know, you were there when we created. We we would uh, get a new song, either write, write it or we would uh, find a, so, a song to cover and then we would do a, an arrangement that made sense for choirs and, and write orchestra parts for them. And, and so we've, we've really used, uh, used those all over the, all over the country uh, as a tool because not every church has the resources that we had to do all that. And, um, and uh, so we, we were delighted. It was a, became a really strong part of our ministry.
0: You know, it's interesting. Your last night at CBC, you and I had some words up at front. And um, and those are just between us. Yeah. And it was interesting because you asked me to call you the following evening, and so I did. And when I called and you answered, you were like, "Are you there?" <laughs> and you were really kind of, I don't know. It was like you were, you were, something was going on. And then then you answered, "Hello." I said, "Are you there?" He said, yes. He says, "You know, I'm so sorry, Alan. I was just like the whole day has been." The phone has been ringing off the hook, and I don't know what's been going on, but I've got so many uh, engagements
1: now, I don't know how to get there. <laughs> and- well, it was the Lord, and, and you know, uh, we we finished at CBC, we didn't, you know, you, you don't ever know what's next, I mean, you think that you know what you're going to do, or you have an idea of what you want to do, just like you did for this, this radio program, you had an idea, but you didn't know how this was all going to come together, and, but... Um, the steps of the godly are ordered by God. He He uh, leads us into past. That particular day, I had had so many phone calls of people uh, encouraging us and, hey, we want to help you. What can we do? Could you come to our church? Could you come to this conference? And I was, at, at the end of the day, I was just almost didn't have any words left because it, it was just overwhelming.
0: Yeah. I remember there was something I said to you, and then you you commented back, and I'm going to make a point about this, is that I told you, I says, well, you know, Ray, you're probably one of the most sought-after worship leaders in our country. And you said, I wouldn't have thought that. Those are your, your exact words. And I'm like, seriously? Mm-hmm. But, you know, why I'm saying this is because what really comes with somebody who really – that God opens the doors and continues and and really does this is to people who are humble and you've got a lot of nice wonderful
1: humility. Well, and and uh, of course you're 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 saying all the nice things about me. There there there're plenty of warts on me <laughs> as you might suspect. But the reality is is that God gave me a verse years ago. It says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. So if we remain in that humble position before God, God is going to put us in the place. He's going to exalt us in the place that we, we need to be but simply as servants to build his kingdom. Yeah. And any time a man gets bigger than his message, he's going to fail. And so um, the message is still at the forefront of my heart. It yeah. really is. And, and it has been. And uh, any time that I, uh, my pride, which we all fight that, when our pride rises up in us, any time that happens, God has been so gracious to gently lead me, sometimes not so gently, lead me back to the reality of who I am and who he is when we have the reality of who he is in our minds humility is the position that we yeah. will assume naturally
0: yeah there's a guy that I've been trying to get on my show here that I think is one of the most humblest guys is Brian Duncan <laughs> and he's like well, I'm afraid
1: of the microphone and
0: Yeah. but, but he has, he is so humble and the,
1: and the works that he has done is amazing oh my gosh he is—he's an extremely gifted man, yes. and uh, and uh, he's a, a creative genius. And um, you know, he's traveled with me for nearly thirty years, and and I've taken him—I've dragged him all over the world. <laughs> and uh, he'll say that he'll be the first to say, you know, that, that's not my gift to to talk in front of people. But uh, boy, you put him behind a keyboard, and he—he he plays, he ministers. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing
0: okay well I want to talk about I have um I have my own particular thoughts and ideas of like what worship is and we want to talk about surrender uh, to me they go hand in hand and um, <clears throat> however in, in my thinking and, and correct me if you think that's you know you think it's something's different but I look at worship really differently than how the church sees worship I think the church sees worship as We walk into the sanctuary, we sing songs, we worshiped. However, I see worship, I mean, my own personal definition is something like, worship is the gift of me given to God without anything held back. Yeah. That's my personal definition.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. um, Worship is not about music. Right. Worship is an offering. It's giving value to God is what it is, and um, my 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 definition that I wrote in our my book years ago was worship is loving God. Um, so, for for any person, you can be a, a parking lot attendant directing traffic into the parking lot and see that as an act of worship because you're you're serving. Um, you can be working in the nursery changing diapers and and uh, rocking babies, and you can see that as an act of worship because what you're doing is serving God. You're giving your love to God through your act of service. In fact, you remember uh, the Purpose Driven Life book, his definition in there uh, talked about uh, worship is your act of service when it is surrendered uh, to God. And so I, I totally agree with your definition. It's interesting, um
0: I think a lot of a lot of the times we Christian type people tend to go to our dictionary for the meaning of what we see as such as worship or such well, I've talked about this before in other other uh, uh <laughs> times we've met right. is 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 uh, like the word believe or faith we right. go to the dictionary and yet. It falls short yeah. because it's not even what the language is meaning. And so, for example, our our dictionary says worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a god or deity. And I think that's what where we're at as a church. Yeah. But right. you go to you go to the Hebrew, right. okay? Worship, okay. And the worship uh, the Hebrew word is shakah. It means basically to prostrate, okay. Yeah. God or royalty, it's to bow down, to fall down, is to humbly beseech, okay, reverence to to stoop, okay, which is worship, which is totally different than a feeling of...
1: There's so many different uh, words that express worship in the Bible language. Uh, That same word that you're talking about, translated into Greek, is the word proskuneo, which... uh, is used when uh, the wise men find Jesus, and it says, "And they bowed and worshipped him." It's the act of bowing before royalty, as if you're kissing the hand of royalty. That picture of, of totally humbling yourself, prostrating yourself before God, and um, and and the same that same word is used when the when the lady. Uh, came to anoint Jesus' feet and as the Bible says that she, she wept in her tears she, with her tears she washed his feet and with her hair she dried his feet and then she anointed his feet with oil and it says she was prosconeo, she, uh, she was humbly kneeling before Jesus to serve him yeah. and, to, and to express her love to him
0: you know it's interesting too is while I was researching a lot of this this last week Um, I ran across the word serve. Mm. And it's interesting you brought up purpose driven life because um, in some of the versions or translations, they replace the word in the English I'm talking about, not the Greek, the Hebrew, but in the English, they'll replace the word worship for the word serve. Yes. And so, I mean, here, and let me give you this definition of serve. Um, The word is abad, okay, and it's often used uh, toward God, it's to serve God. Okay, it's to, um, by implication, to be serving or enslave or bond service. So when we look at how the definitions or, or how the words have translated into the English and they and they interact these two worship and serve, I'm wondering how close they really are to the very actual act of honoring and serving and
1: following God. Right. Well, you know. Uh- in the twelve tribes of Israel, there was one tribe that was specifically designated to 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 serve in the in the act of of acts of worship, uh, the Levites, the entire one. Mm-hmm. And then there was another tribe uh, of the twelve that was named Judah, which literally means the tribe of praise. So. Um, and that is the tribe from which Jesus uh, came. He was, uh, you know, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah, and so I'm I'm thinking that, um, and and every time you read about the acts of worship in Old Testament, especially, you can see that they were continually acts of service to God to express their love toward Him, and so. And it, it, it's, it's understandable that when Bible translators translated from uh, Bible language to English that many times they would they would use the word serve as opposed to using the word worship because they were in a sense interchangeable. The worship definition is much broader than serve mm-hmm. but it is based in service.
0: Right. Yeah, in fact, um even the word praise is even a, a totally separate thing because right. and I've got this down too how do you like that. Hmm. And it's a verb and basically it means to praise, to commend, to uh to boast, to shine. And so I was reading this article about psalms and it says that psalms actually should be called more about praise right. because the book of praise, the book yeah. of praise, yeah, because most of it is all about praising God. In fact, there's a whole section there that all it is is praising right. Him.
1: Right. You know, there's um, I, I do a teaching on 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 worship. I call it the worship cycle. You've heard me teach it, but the five elements of praise, uh, five elements of worship, uh, begin with praise and thanksgiving. Uh, those are interchangeable words as well, but they do have. Very separate definitions. Thanksgiving is telling God thank you for what He's done, and uh, praise is telling God, uh, or, or blessing God for who He is, for His character, His nature. But they function as the entrance into the presence of God. And then adoration, that's worship, that's what we do when we get there. And then we go from worship to, I mean, from adoration to confession. Confession is a very integral part of our worship, both confessing of our sin, but also confessing of who God is and uh, our place in his kingdom. And then it, is, uh, it moves from confession to proclamation. That's when God speaks in worship. And uh, God is not obligated to speak to us in worship. He is not. But he does because he's a good God, and that's that's how he functions. And once we get into his presence, we certainly can hear his voice much louder. And then the last uh, element of worship is response. And so all of those are different words, but all of them are worship. Mm-hmm. And so this is why uh, I, I say that it's a broader perspective uh, pr- of of just one single definition. It it, it encompasses many many uh, elements of worship. Uh, but once again, it begins with a humble heart. Worship can't happen if we don't acknowledge there's someone greater than ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I've been to a lot of different churches yes. and I've worked in a lot of different churches yes. and, um, it's interesting where when I was a t- I didn't start going to church until I was like maybe 16. And back then was you had a you know, a person who's like, it could be the pastor or it could right. be some guy that, you know, who's good be-
1: Beating the time pattern with his hands.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, what, what's really cool about when I would watch you is that we would sing some songs and you would come up and you would give your mini sermon. <laughs> a lot of us laughed about it. A lot of us talked about it. But, right. you know, it was special. Because it gave us more than just we're just singing to Jesus or about Jesus. It also, and you brought in the whole fact about you know what we need to keep Him centered. We need to keep Him focused. We need to really follow and 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 you know you do this, and a lot of worship leaders don't.
1: Well, I, I I I preferred to call myself a worship pastor because I was a pastor first that just happened to do worship. You know, and you 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 understand this that. Uh, the heart of a pastor is to to bring gold to his people, to, to drop nuggets of gold into their spirits. And um, the cool thing about music is that you know, people rarely would leave a church building singing my sermons, but they would often be singing the songs that we sang together because it's stuck in their spirit. And my, I felt like my goal as a, as, a, as a worship pastor was to drop these nuggets of truth, to let them know why we were singing this song or what, what this lyric meant or give a personal story about how that song or the lyric or the message of that song had impacted my life personally. Uh, it was more like testimony at times, but I feel like most people uh, latched on to those because it helped them to understand why they were doing, singing those particular songs or, or, or the message of that particular song. You really see the evangelist
0: in you at this point. And um, that, would, we, we were, that would be where I would see there's your real gift.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, especially when you talk about, I was on a plane and started talking to somebody about Jesus. Every other flight, I'm like... Who does this? <laughs> I I don't do this. this, this. And then 911 comes
1: and Oof. oh my word, tell us the story. You have to tell the story about what happened at 911. Well, I'll I'll make it brief, but I was uh I was in Moldova teaching the seminary and we'd done a series of concerts but I'd send the band on back. And uh one uh, it was one uh, afternoon there, one evening there, I got a phone call from my wife. She said you need to go and see what's happening. In our country, and I went and turned on the t- TV and on international news in time to see the second plane go into the, the second tower, and and so immediately I called the airport and got on the next flight out because I just need. I we didn't know what was going to happen in in our country, and I had two young young children at home, and I just wanted to. I knew I needed to to get home. Well, I got to France, and and. Then all international flights were canceled, and so I could not leave Paris. Everybody says, "Wow, that's a pretty cool place to get stuck," but not when you're <laughs> not when you're trying to get home, and the world just seems to be falling apart. The airport was completely filled. I, I did I did get a, a hotel room, one of the last ones available out near the airport, and so I took all of my gear, and I was traveling with some sound gear and everything, and I got to the uh, hotel and. The next day, they said just just show up and check in. So every morning at about well, the first two days no international flight, so I did. In the third day, I went to the airport with all my gear, got in line, and there we stood. And the way they did it, is, there any any uh, seats available, they would give the first per- first person in line, second person in line, and then everybody else had to go to the next flight that was going to the United States. So. Uh, The first day, I went to about 12 different flights, and I didn't get a seat. So I went back to the hotel, and uh, on the way to the airport the second day, I was kind of complaining to the Lord that, you know, why haven't you opened the door for me? And it's just in, in the simplest of terms, God said, I wonder how many ministers are in this airport. Maybe you're here for a purpose. So I got in line that first morning, the second morning, and there was a couple in front of me, and the wife was just distraught. She was crying. And and uh, I just reached over and touched the man on the shoulder. I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a minister. W- would you like me to pray for you? And he, he said, please. And so I, I just prayed God would comfort her and strengthen her. And, and when I said amen, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, there's a group of us over here. Could you come pray for us? And for the next three days uh, in that airport, I ministered to hundreds of people, and I shared the gospel I multiplied times. People were receiving the Lord and and receiving the comfort of the Holy Spirit in those moments. And uh, I finally got on the airplane to come home, and I sat next to an Olympic uh, athlete from France who happened to know Tony Parker. They were friends. Uh, the, the former Spurs player from France. And so we talked about it. I was a Spurs fan. And then I had, you know, eight uninterrupted uninter- hours to talk to this athlete about the Lord Jesus and present the gospel to him. So I just feel like, you know, we, we are light and salt. So wherever we are, we need to be representatives of the Christ who gave his all for us.
0: It's an amazing story. It's, you know, it, again, it's back to... You know, Ray, it's just so nice to see that you are an example to a lot of people mm. about just, Lord, where what do you want me to do here? Yeah. And, you know, where I'm going or where's the door
1: window open and what do you want
0: me to go through?
1: Remember that old missionary from China? You've heard me talk about her, Bertha Smith. She was in the shang revival and just a little bitty lady and— uh, one time I heard her speak and she said she said, Don't pray, God use me. She said, get usable and God will wear you out. And that kind of stuck in my spirit is that if you're available anywhere you go to be an instrument of God, he'll use you beyond your wildest imagination. And I have a lot of musicians come to me and they want to be concert artists and all that. I said, Well, listen, we're going to go into the jail and sing. Why don't you come with us? And their response many times has been, Well, that's just not what I was feeling like I needed to do. And my response to that is, So, what you want to do is be recognized as a great talent. But see, what we're called to do is to be recognized as servants of all yeah exactly
0: you know and it's in so many different fields um, that ministry is done you know not just music or not just preaching but I mean just all over it's amazing the opportunities that all of us have no matter who you are absolutely we all have our own world we all have our own families we all have our own friends
1: and we're all ministers, yeah i i I will tell you there are times when you get weary and you say, you know it, it's going to cost me some time or or some effort or some i was I went through the bank line uh, drive through one time, and one of my sons was in the back seat and and I did business and and got done, and I was pulling away and one of my sons said, "Dad." you forgot to tell her about Jesus. <laughs> and so <laughs> I gritted my teeth and pulled around and got back in line <laughs> and, and went back and I, the lady said, is there something wrong? I said, no. I said, I just I forgot <laughs> to do something. I said, did anybody today tell you that Jesus loves you? And she began to weep. She said, nobody's told me that they love me today. Wow. And I said, well, I want you to know Jesus does. And I had a little gospel track, and I put it in the tube and sent it to her. I said, "Hey, listen, read this." And at the end, there's a prayer. And if you, if you want to have Jesus in your life, all you've got to do is pray this prayer. That's cool. You know, I was um, a
0: couple of years ago. I was a keynote speaker for all the men who were in with Campus uh, Crus- Campus Crusade for Christ. There's about forty of them. So we all took this bus to Romania about a few hours ride. Wow. We're out there in the, in the winter, snow, and all that. And so they wanted me to speak about the, on this book, and I just didn't have it in me. to. So they had their little groups that did this. But I spoke on something about ministers and how – and I don't know why that God put this on my heart. But it was about how we get so locked into our ministry – our church ministry or whatever it is that God's called us to do that it becomes so focused there that we're, we're not ministering to our wife or our family or Mm -hmm. kids. And lots of times we lose our family. And, um, I know that in in your, your case, I don't, I'm not all that close to you, but I'm close enough to watch your kids and, and, uh, and at least three of them. And I think they're just amazing kids, and obviously, you've had a great impact on ministering to your family.
1: Well, I uh, I would probably say to you that I um, that part of my life um, became very very important as I would see children falling away from the faith, and um, and of course. Um, my, my kids did music, and so that was sort of a natural process for all of us all to do music together. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, it is the, I did a conference recently, and I just said, I want you to write on this, I gave out these index cards, I said, I want you to write down your number one regret in ministry. And don't sign it, just send it in. And so they all sent them in, and, and 95% are better actually. Their greatest regret was, I wish I'd spent more time with my family.
0: Yeah, and you know when these the, and these missionaries in, in Moldova are young, oh, young yeah. guys, yeah. and I told them you need to balance your ministry you with your family. Your family is a ministry, and you need to balance that. And uh, we had a and we I found out that there are a lot of them that struggled with this. So whatever God put on my heart, which I didn't know why, it, later as they came to me and talked to me individually, I, I realized, wow, this was the key thing. When we got back to Moldova, and all the wives, Reverend, <laughs> came, thank you. yes, thank
1: you, thank you, thank you,
0: yes, because you know it's a big, it's a hard thing. They don't know where to, where to
1: balance it. Well, and uh, sometimes we mistake time that we would have at church serving together. As family time, and that's, right? No, and that's not family time. That's serving time. And so, you you had to do. We, Andrea and I, especially tried to, at least one of them be at every, uh, one of us be at every event. I mean, we 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 sh- would chaperone school dances. We would we would go on school trips as as the as chaperones. I mean, we we really wanted to be involved intricately in their lives. And because of that, I think they responded to that. Um, You know, God's not looking for perfect dads and moms. He's just looking for willing moms and dads because we all make our mistakes. And
0: And I think we need to go to the Scripture where it says, you know, the children are a gift of the Lord. So, you know, we train them up because of him to give back to him so that they honor him in their own right. So let's get to the word surrender. We haven't talked about that much. But, you know, surrender to me is all a part of it. I think it, it encompasses the entire focus we're talking about. And I have a, I have a definition here. I think is kind of cool. It says to surrender is to, it means that a believer completely gives up his own will and subjects his thoughts, ideas, and deeds to the will and teachings of God or, or Jesus. Surrender is willful acceptance and yielding to the teachings of Jesus yeah I think uh, and I, I added this on my own thought is submitting to God's way means to humble yourself
1: yeah well s- surrender uh, you've heard me say this before the The two most important words of a believer are the words I surrender um, because really and truly I spent a great deal of my life giving God advice about how you should do things in my life, even my prayers. You know we all, we all do that. And, and so <laughs> I would, I would, you know, I would plan God's day out for me, <laughs> and say, "Here, bless it." <laughs> and and uh, of all all my life, I, God has never taken one bit of my advice. He didn't need it, and because uh, God's mm-hmm. ways are not our ways. And so, but but keeping our own egos, our own wills, and you know, God created us to be. I mean, we are creative beings. So mm-hmm. he was a creative being. He created us. And then he, he put that, that creativity in us as well. And so we're going to, we're going to have all these ideas, you know, about how to do ministry and how to do things. But God, God is so gracious to take that creativity in us and focus us into, uh, very specific steps, you know, and, uh, so many times I've run off the road, you know, and then God patiently waits until I get bogged down and he goes, and I go, God, what's going on? He said, well, if you just come back over here on the road with me, we'd be fine. And, and he just gently leads us back into our, the path that, that he has uh, for us. And sometimes I don't like the path. You know, I think, God, that, that path's way too hard. We should do something easier than that. And God will be patient with me, and he'll— <laughs> But it's all about coming back to that one concept, and that is, am I going to surrender my will to His will? Yeah. And that, and and when I do, things go better.
0: You know, I I think that uh, what maybe a lot of Christendom don't understand is how powerful, how strong surrendering to Him is. Yeah. I had a discussion one time with a really dear friend of mine pastor he's a Pentecostal uh, and they wanted to hire me and so we had a big discussion and it came up into the topic of speaking in tongues and he said something um, he said there's power in speaking in tongues I said I totally disagree your power comes in surrendering to the will of God
1: Yeah,
0: and he's like you're right
1: yeah you're right that <laughs> is I mean you know gifts are um are exactly what they are named. They're gifts. Exactly, and so they're not they're not the the crux of our faith. That they are a result of our faith. God bestows gifts on us, and He bestows gifts on us for the reason of accomplishing what He called us to do. And so He, he wouldn't give me a gift of of, of evangelism unless He intended to, for or me use to it. use evangelism yeah. as part of my lifestyle and to challenge others in the in the area. So it is, you're right, it's, it is surrender is the element that really drives everything else. It's, it's the one act that we can, we can't do without it. It's interesting. Part of my favorite, other than
0: Jesus, but, you know, of course, that's being real funny about that. But part of my favorite character in, in, the, in the Bible is Joseph. Yeah. And I like Joseph because he's a guy that appears to be totally surrendered all the time yeah. doing everything so that his he is honoring god yeah. and because of that god blesses him gives him power gives him strength gives him all these things that are above and beyond what you would ever think or dream of right. but you go back to the what the
1: scripture says he honored god yeah. he, I had a friend that preached that a message from the from the prison to the penthouse, <laughs> or the prison to the palace, you know, and that's that's what that is. It's, yeah, that, That's God exalting.
0: It is. And I, I think that if, if we Christian-type people would realize the power in surrender, the power in worship, you know, and in all of us together, I think we could realize that we can be victorious in our walk, our life, all of this that we have, instead of feeling like we're beaten down. Uh,
1: Paul, on several occasions, mentioned himself as the bond slave of the Lord Jesus. And mm-hmm. here's a guy who wrote two-thirds, but more than two-thirds of the New Testament. and he, uh, But he, he recognized positionally where he was. And he used the word very strategically because the word, when you think of a slave, you don't think of a person who has, has claimed his rights. You think of a person who serves uh, his master.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know and there's so many scriptures. I mean, um, I mean in Proverbs three, five and six, I mean most of us it's quote, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and and in uh, your, all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. I mean, there's all these these scriptures that help us, and I think we we can a lot of times we just blurt them out yeah but the without truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. We were not really taking it in to walk, you know and and I think that and this is part why I call this ministry the believer's journey, right. because I really believe that Christianity is a journey, It's something that we walk in him to follow him in our life and we're up and we're down where we fall we get up sure it's ongoing and i know that you've had your fallings and feelings and i have had more than my share right most likely is because it's my own fault yeah many
1: times yeah (laughs) thank you (laughs) it's our fault i mean but but we have a gracious god we really do who 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 sees the best in us and he doesn't Mm. hold an account against us he he loves us, and, and he, his grace and his mercy toward us are, are beyond really our, our, our comprehension. And I think there's something Jesus said that
0: it, it's, all, it's all about, you know, what we're going to give up, what we're going to take on. But there's a promise in there that I think we miss a lot, and it's in Matthew 16. It says this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. We A lot of times we stop there. Right. We really do. And I think that we need to continue. And it says, for whoever desires to save his life and uh, will lose it, but loses, uh, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay? That's a great promise. Yes. It really is. I mean, yes. so many people I run into who have been in the church for years, you know, How do I find God's will? How do I know God's will? How do I and and the answers are there. They really are there. He goes on to say, for what profit what is a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Soul. Jesus giving us the promise and the and the the expectation that we can be victory or victorious in him and have a victorious life. And it really goes back to surrender. It really goes back to worship. It goes back to these very fundamental issues of
1: of life within him. I mean, what do you think? Look, you know, Paul said something when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, because I think what he was saying is, is whether I live or I die, I'm the Lord's. I, I, you know, and uh, the older I get, the more I've got invested on the other side. So it really doesn't matter to me whether I'm here or in heaven, because I just want to be in his presence. That's all I want. I just want to be in his presence and doing his work, his will, his way, and and then uh, then forever be in a state of worship at the feet of our, our Savior. You know, I think Jesus is such an
0: amazing example, uh, an amazing God. Mm-hmm. I just really... Okay. Uh, I, feel so privileged, when I became a Christian, I did it for fire insurance. Yeah. I did not want to burn. <laughs> you know, that was it. I, I read yeah, you know. the little track, The Beast, you know, then when that guy was burning, you know, I thought, mm-hmm. I do not want to do that. Yeah. So I yeah. just needed fire insurance. But, you know, as I read and learned, I began to love Jesus. And then when I started reading more and learning more, and I began to fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole process there, I believe, that if we can grab a hold of that life is really what you, what you say is, is now in the presence of him whether I'm here or whether I'm, I'm
1: with him there yeah. and I I will tell you Alan uh, um, I'm, I'm seeing something in our country now um, that is the exact opposite and that is um, people it's all about our rights you know And people arguing over everything. I mean, you you, can't—they argue over everything. And in my heart of hearts, I'm excited because I know that we're coming to this point of no return where people are going to look to God. Yeah. And there's going to be a great movement of God in our country, in our world, um, because people are going to finally recognize their great need for him. And, and that he meets the needs of exactly. Of God. And something I've been
0: teaching these last several months now: the what the our nation and what the world is like now. It's never been like this ever in the history of the no, world. No, you have such evil and such Holy Spirit movement. It's never been like this.
1: So no. we know who prevails.
0: Yes. Well, it's been such a joy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I am so honored. I'm so privileged. I'm so glad that we got to do this. Well, it took us a while to get together, but yes. we finally did. <laughs> thank
1: the Lord for it. And thank you for the privilege and honor to, to, to thank be a you. part of this.
0: Anyway, so thank you for joining us for The Believer's Journey. It's uh, the end of the day. And so hopefully you'll watch this and share this. And uh, you can see this on YouTube if you don't see it on Facebook. Thank you so much. Aloha. Good day. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.